That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello, Kakupful fans, and welcome to episode 5 of the 2021 season of Mark Callanan's Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League Stat Attack podcast, presented by JNSoftware.ca, powered by Kevin E. Bear. I'm your host, John Newhold. Thank you for joining us. Last week in the Kakupful, half the teams won and the other half lost. Let's find out why. On today's show, Tier 1 lights its hair on fire as Dave decides to trade most of his team. We'll introduce you to a new way for you to participate in the Stat Attack podcast via kakupful.com, the world's greatest fantasy hockey league website. Mark interviews a husband and wife fantasy manager team who explain how they make decisions about their team despite often having different methods. And included in all the player and manager stats this week is a special look at if there is any correlation between having certain players on your roster last week and how likely it was that your team would win. First, our Tier 1 update, and the chase for the ultimate prize in fantasy hockey. Dustin and his team Primo Pasta continues in first place as Tier 1's only undefeated team. This own podcasts Mark and Short Shift's Lewis continue hot on his tail at 5-1. Elon was the other formerly one-loss team, but this week was defeated by Lewis. This coming week he'll take on Mark, either dragging Mark back into two losses alongside himself or getting pushed into the pack at three losses. With 6th place currently at 3 and 3 and 6 teams at 2 and 4, the playoffs are still anyone's for the taking, but there are a lot of teams to climb over. This week's highlighted tier 1 matchup saw 3 and 2 Jeff and Where's the Love going up against Ben's Little King Trashmouths at 2 and 3. Jeff had a single digit point lead going into Sunday which seemed unlikely to hold as Ben had 10 players in action to Jeff's 3. But then everyone on Ben's team went cold. Bjorkstrand and Buchnevich getting just a quarter of a point each, Severson three quarters of a point, Janssen half a point, Oshi one point. It was like watching someone trying to pay for their groceries using the change randomly in their pocket. Even hot waiver wire pickup Shane Gostisbehere got just half a point. By the end of the afternoon, Ben had exhausted his 10 games played and netted only 15.1 points, including a super helpful negative 1.65 from goalie Shesterkin. But it was enough for the lead with Jeff still having two games to play from Pia Suter and Duncan Keith. Jeff watched as Keith produced almost nothing all game long, but then Suter came to save the day opening the scoring in the third period as Chicago went on to route Detroit 7-2. Sure, Suter and Keith had only combined for six and a quarter points in the cupful, but it was enough to put Jeff over the top. Or so he thought. Little did he know that Ben was warming up his DeLorean and overnight went back in time and helped Dustin Brown to change his assist from February 24th into a goal. That's right, Jeff was bitten by the dreaded stat correction. He went to bed a winner and woke up a... Uh, well, I mean, now they're both at 3-3, three and three, so I guess by definition they're both equally winners and losers at this point. Ben pulls off a stat corrected 229.45 to 228.9 victory. In Tier 1 trades, an early week trade where Jordan shipped out Backstrom and Buchnevich, as well as Hyman and $5 of Fab to Ben for Barzell, Mantha, and Farabee, was overshadowed by Dave deciding to blow up his team late in the week with a flurry of deals and counter deals. Let's learn more. The Barzell-Backstrom deal began with Jordan posting in the Tier 1 chat that he'd be open to moving Pedersen or Backstrom. Ben reached out right away to kick tires, and he offered Backstrom and Buchnevich for Barzell and Farabee. Ben views Barzal as better than Backstrom, so the second half of the deal had to make sense, and while he viewed Buchnevich as a player with similar upside to Farabee and a higher floor, it wasn't enough to make up for giving up Barzal and young Farabee's potential, despite his unsustainable numbers and deployment. So he slept on it for a night. The next day, they worked through various options, but things didn't click until Jordan mentioned he'd be interested in taking on Mantha. Ben's pretty much done with Mantha, as none of his underlying metrics indicate to him the potential for a bounce back this year. Jordan said he'd deal Hyman for Mantha, and at that point Ben figured, if I'm losing slightly on Barzal, I'll make up for it by adding Hyman and Buchnevich. So they eventually settled on Backstrom, Buchnevich, and Hyman, along with $5 of fab to Ben, for Barzal, Mantha, and Farabee. Jordan said his main idea was that he preferred Barzal to Backstrom pretty heavily and wanted to make it work, without losing too much in the process. 
He figures Faraby is pretty much the same as Hyman and Buchnevich, so it really came down to the last piece, Mantha. He doesn't particularly believe in Mantha, but as we'll see, he was able to do something else with Mantha, which makes him a little more comfortable with this deal. Anyway, as we approached the weekend, I thought my job this week would be done for covering trades. Then Dave decided to drop a stick of dynamite into his team and see where the pieces landed. It was trade, counter, counter to the counter. As Brian put it in the Tier 1 Discord channel when discussing how he needed to post the trades in the trades channel, okay, I can figure it out, which was rapidly followed by a nope, still confused. All in all, Dave moved Couturier and Binnington for Malkin, Palat, and Hintz, Rust for Yandel and Konechny, Larkin for Kaprasov, Vanacek for Duclair and $5 worth of fab, and Yamamoto for Mantha and $15 worth of fab. That's right, Jordan was able to immediately flip Mantha for Yamamoto. With regard to the Malkin deal, Dave's sure that even an underperforming Malkin, when combined with two top power play players in Palat and Hints, far outweighs Couturier and the inconsistent Binnington. Ben and Dave's rust trade began with a discussion of Yandel and Fab for Binnington, which Ben needed time to think about. An hour later, when Lewis and Dave struck the Malkin deal, which included Binnington, Dave told Ben he'd need to add Forsberg to a deal in order to counter Lewis, at which point Ben figured he was happy to sit it out and let Binnington go. Shortly after Dave dealt Rust to Dustin for Weber, Ben was upset to miss out. With Rust's top power play upside in Pittsburgh, great shot rates mean even though he's on the second line, he matches up quite decently against a player like Gensel in Kakupful scoring. To Ben, Weber for Rust was a steal, and he needed to at least try to counter. Ben asked Dave what he'd need. And knowing he liked his two defensemen Yandel and Hamilton, Dave said it would take Hamilton for sure, or maybe Forsberg and Fab, and to not even bother bringing up Yandel. As a joke, Ben replied, Let's split the difference, Yandel and 10 Fab! Shockingly, Dave said he'd do it for 20, and the deal was done. Or was it? Of course, 30 minutes later, Dave accepted another counter from Dustin. This time it was Weber and $13 of Fab, making Ben think he was just entertaining the Yandel offer in order to extort some Fab out of Dustin. Dave said to pony up Dougie or Forsberg to salvage the deal, which Ben passed on. But then Dave said he'd do Yandel, Konechny, and Fab for Rust. Ben needed to sleep on that, too. But it wasn't long before Ben realized Yandel is realistically a sub four cupful points per game D-man with terrible peripherals, while Rust is a five points per game player with upside for 5.5 or more. Konechny, meanwhile, is a bit of an enigma. He put up just 4.8 fantasy points per game in 2020 despite a 75-point pace, while shooting 17%. And his performance, deployment, and COVID status this year has been scary for Konechny owners. So in the end, Ben was more than happy to complete the deal. If you'd like more details on Dave's side of the Rust deal, make sure to check out this week's Stream Scheme podcast, where he goes into detail on his need for D and why Rust was expendable to achieve that goal. This week, we're going to highlight the new Manager's Corner page on kakupful.com. If you enjoy listening to the Stat Attack podcast, think about how much more you'd enjoy it if you got to be a part of it. On the Stat Attack menu, you can go to the Manager's Corner page. Here, you can record and leave us an audio message, and each week we'll select one message to share with everyone on the Stat Attack podcast. Have opinions on your Kakupful team? Want to share a story from your division about a trade, matchup, or waiver pickup? Have thoughts on fantasy strategy, why you like playing fantasy hockey, or enjoy being part of the Keeping Carlson community? Simply go to Manager's Corner and click on the orange Start Recording button to leave us a message. We look forward to hear you on the Stat Attack podcast. Kakupful.com, making your Kakupful fantasy hockey experience like no other league in the world. Mark's interview today is with Khalil and Allison of Tier 6 Rula, stars of last week's Stat Attack trade segment. This husband and wife from New Mexico jointly manage their Kakupful team. As experienced fantasy football managers, find out what they learned when starting out with fantasy hockey, how they communicate and make decisions together, and what their favorite aspects of the Kakupful and the Keeping Carlson community are. Over to you, Mark. This week's guests on the Stat Attack podcast. Yes, there's more than one guest. It is a husband and wife couple. They are the uh, co-managers of... Uh, let me get this team name right. Can you, sorry, could you guys give me your team name there? Is it getting a bit antsy? Yeah, but like okay. for us, I was thinking like, I know it's the butchering of his name, but Anzi, like Hansy, that's that's the whole pun. <laughs> so it's it's obviously a Kopitar pun then. 
um, yeah. and you have Copadar in your team. So let's just box that off. Uh, you, you've you've done right. You've cut. You followed all the protocols there in uh, in your team name poem. Um, you're very welcome to the podcast, Khalil and Allison. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Thank you. It's really, really uh, special and strange and unique to have a uh, husband and wife co-managing a, uh, a fantasy hockey team. How did this come about? Is this your first season in fantasy hockey or is this a long-term thing? Uh, first season in fantasy hockey, but I've played fantasy football uh, once or so, and then he's really into fantasy football. And it kind of like started off because last, last semester, so during pandemic, he decided to do his own podcast with our fantasy football um, group, uh, friend group or whatever, and then decided to, well, let's, what about hockey? And I was like, I guess I could, I could, I could get into that. Yeah, I think it's just like uh, fantasy sports, like especially during pandemic is like a good way to, um, or we found during like early in COVID, it's just like a good way to like still talk to people that you care about or like still do stuff with them. And then like, especially since we're both like kind of like sports people it's like a good way to still do sports um and so we usually have like a monday night football dinner night that we would have with friends and so the podcast in a lot of ways replaced that with our friend group and so then well Khalil was just like well do you want to let's what if we manage the team together and then we also created a family um hockey um fantasy league as well yeah so like i have family in michigan so like we made a league to play with them and we try to stream like zoom games um to like have a monday night hockey night or something or pick a game that we want to watch together no very Mm -hmm. good so so it's quite a social thing for you guys or quite a community-based thing um, so you're very welcome to the Cupful. I think I can speak on, uh, on Brian and Elan's behalf uh, to welcome you to the league. If I can just rewind a bit there. So you mentioned Michigan. So um, Khalil, you're from Michigan, but you guys are living in New Jersey, right? Or sorry, uh, New Mexico. Yeah, even further, New Mexico. Yeah, I'm from Michigan originally, uh, born there. We moved out here. I've been in New Mexico like most of my life. So we moved out here in like when I was in, uh, in grade school still. Um, and Allison's from here, born and raised. Um, but yeah, all my family still lives in Michigan um, for the most part. Um, so, so I would say we know, well, I don't know anything about hockey other than my research for this fantasy league. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we, that's how we found a couple and like all this stuff is we were like, we had made that, that uh, the family league, right, to play hockey, to play fantasy hockey with them. And, and we then- can say we're competitive. That's part of it, right? So we feel like we have to be prepped. Yeah, we yeah. have to know what we're doing a little bit. So we have to at least uh, do mock, some mock drafting. Well, we, are, we did, I did a lot of mock drafting. <laughs> we did a lot of prep because we're against each other in that league. So then yes. like we were both, uh, it's kind of a funny story. We were both like really competitive and like we both really wanted, we both don't really follow hockey a lot. Hockey's always been around, obviously like the Red Wings are a team that I always grew up with and they were really good. Obviously my entire life until recent, the recent um, sad era that it continues currently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I always like kind of followed hockey, but like the last couple of years I was getting more into it. And so we decided to do fantasy hockey this year, but we didn't really follow the NHL very much. So we didn't have a lot of like uh, cursory knowledge or like a lot of full breadth knowledge of the NHL. And so we both did a lot of research in order to beat the other person. And so it was just kind of a funny story because we both decided we needed to find a podcast to listen to, to gather more information. And we didn't we share. Sharing. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to share what podcast because we didn't want the other person to get some sort of like hand up on the other person. So we just ended up finding out after we drafted that other league that we were both listening to the Keeping Carlson podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we decided to listen together instead. Yeah. And so now we're doing it together. So that's why we're playing on a team together now because we just figured like uh, take some rebuild our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because when I was told that there was a, a husband and wife couple, you know, it's probably not the most unusual thing in the world. But when I heard there was a husband and wife couple from New Mexico doing hockey, like I can't really speak. I'm from Dublin, Ireland. We don't even have an ice rink in this country. So okay. uh, we, we can't really speak. But I had to look up before I before I give you guys the call this evening. There has never been an NHL player from New Mexico. I don't know if you, you knew that. It's probably one of the very few states who have never had a player. Obviously, Austin Matthews has come from uh, Arizona. from Arizona, which, well, it, it's probably quite a distance away. But in, in my understanding of U.S. geography, it's not that far away. You know, it's a... No, it's not that far. You're, no. not, you're not that off. It's pretty close. It's like six-hour drive. That so feels... That- for Ireland, that feels far away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not. It's short then for us. 
<laughs> yeah, no, uh, there's not a lot of hockey in the desert here, but uh, people play we hockey. Have, we had a semi-pro. What did we? Uh, yeah, they when had we were a, kids. Um, the scorpions. The scorpions. I remember watching the scorpions play when we were kids. Mm-hmm. But but, but yeah. I would say it's not a primary sport. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. No, basketball so, or basketball town. Okay, cool. So is uh, so fantasy football is probably where you let's say cut your teeth in in terms of fantasy sports um have you ever tried other fantasy sports like baseball or basketball or is this your your second fantasy sport that you're so trying right at the same time i'm currently in a fantasy basketball league that i uh and that's like fine but i much prefer fantasy hockey actually um so yeah this is our i think the big the big change for us we were talking about this earlier like the biggest shift that's hard is that it's like going to daily transactions and daily movement that's been really difficult because like almost all of our experiences with a weekly format and just having more time yeah yeah so you're having to kind of check your rosters and set your lineups daily rather than you know at the start of the i guess thursday is the start of the fantasy football week is it yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, Thursday. So yeah, usually you only have like waiver claims that go through, like you don't have the daily rolling waiver wire like that. It's more like a weekly uh, on Sunday nights, right? So, or on Wednesday nights. Yeah. So one other question that I usually ask guests on the show is whether they have an interesting fact about themselves. Now, everything that you've spoken about so far has been so interesting that maybe we don't need to ask that, but is there anything that you guys have, aside from what we've talked about so far that you would maybe share with the listeners on something interesting about you guys? I roast coffee for a living. I think that's pretty interesting. That's cool. And run a coffee shop. So that, I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know if it is, but yeah, what about you? I'm good with resting on her as being the interesting one. I think. <laughs> so that's fine with me. <laughs> Um, Alison, I was going to say that you can get a plug in for your coffee shop there if you want to give the name. But right, I'm not... yeah, Michael I... Thomas Coffee in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Great, Albuquerque. Okay, so uh... yeah. That's that's specifically where you are, right? I know it. I'm familiar with Albuquerque from Breaking Bad, obviously. Ah, yeah, okay. I've never seen it actually. When we were first dating, here's there you go. Here's my interesting fact. When we were first dating, uh, we had decided to like watch a show together. It was right when Breaking Bad came out, um, and so I, Allison was a paramedic at the time, and so I had a. Uh, I had come over and we had watched the first episode together. And I was like, this will be cool. We could watch this together. This will be neat, uh, and. Well, is I guess Big Ben hadn't first come out because a couple seasons were out. But anyway, I came back like the next week or whatever, and Allison had been working these long shifts at as a paramedic, um, and she was on season five. So <laughs> it ended quickly. It was that kind of show. You, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't stop watching once you started. Yeah. Um, so how did you guys? You, you both came across Keeping Carlson independently of each other. Was it just a case of searching for a fantasy hockey podcast, and that one jumped out at you, and then the cookful kind of came from there? Yeah, I would say so. And then I, I did more reading research, so I was getting a lot of my information from oh, what did it? Where's that the Roto Hockey? Roto Hockey. Um, and then, yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I listened to these two other dudes. I can't remember what their names um, were. She listened podcast. to uh, the Fantasy Hockey podcast yeah. also. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that um, Kevin Carlson was like we were talking about this earlier. Is like it was reached out to us because it just like we were looking for that community aspect and that's definitely something that's being built with this podcast that I really podcast network even, which is so cool. So like that really spoke to us and it just seemed like very inclusive and open to new people. And like, so that, that was cool. And then like hearing Kakupful sounded like a cool challenge. Uh, I didn't know how challenging it would be. It's very challenging. Uh, <laughs> yeah, On top of COVID, I just, I wasn't expecting to, I don't know, we have to like, really navigate our moves weekly in the sense of like i mean our team we're not very happy about (laughs) so we feel like we have to constantly be making moves just to make it so we're trying to get as many games as we possibly can in um so that we can at least be competitive in our league yeah yeah okay so let's have a look at your team then um so when you were preparing for the season, you said you put a lot of prep in. Um, what did that look like? Did you, you know, were you building spreadsheets or was it mainly listening to podcasts and, you know, reading Roto Hockey or? Um, yeah, so um, yeah, we both did like some reading research. We both listened to podcasts and like part of the problem is like if you're not following the NHL as a whole and I haven't in like several years, I've only been watching the demise of the Red Wings. So uh I, you know, you don't know all the players or the players that I do know are old, right? Yeah. So like, they're, like, they're not as good as they were. So like trying to like 
get that lay of the land of like who's even good anymore like of course you know austin matthews of course you know Connor mcdavid right like those kinds of things of course he knows those players um so that's like but like gaining that information was really hard um so i think that was a lot of what the information was we listened to a lot of like podcasts where people are just ranking like here's the top best you know the best forwards and here's the best right wings and here's but the best- we both come at it a little bit differently because you're more of a spreadsheet kind of person and i'm kind of like I look at their names and have a gut feeling and I'll go with my gut over like whatever a sheet says. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, uh, so, so I guess the answer is we did, we did all of it, but between the two of us, yeah, different approaches. Different we definitely approaches. have a spreadsheet or maybe one or two spreadsheets Yeah. Um, that we didn't build from scratch. Like we're obviously like using like Dom spreadsheet and then like we're using, um, uh, something. Well, I guess I did like build partial, a partial spreadsheet for like actual draft day. Right. Yeah. So if you guys are coming at it from different angles where you've got, you know, Alison with the gut feel and Khalil with the spreadsheet, where does that, how does that dynamic work when you put it together? So, you know, is, is there, do you both have to agree on something for it to happen or just, do you have like a veto or is there? I would a, say I'm the person who will be like the, the, the say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she, I would I'll say be like, Allison's we're not doing say. that one. Um, I feel like this is going to be a better bet, bet just based on a general feeling. And then also who I like to watch. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. so. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of how it works. Um, and, it, and it also doesn't work. This, <laughs> yeah, because this question came up and we're like, well, actually, we should probably figure out how we should make this work better for us. Because yeah. a lot of times he'll just like bring me the information and we'll just talk about, um, okay, so I want to do this trade. What do you think? Or I want to do this, this move. Right, yeah. What do you think about this player? And it's like, no, I don't want to drop him, but I kind of want to hang on to this one for another week. So it's just like a lot of negotiating. negotiating. Um, but you, I feel like, do a lot of the like footwork and then like bring it to me and then we discuss it. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like it's good too because like lately, I, I don't feel like I'm this person in life, but in fantasy hockey, I tend to make uh, a lot of rash decisions. So Allison's very much like, let's, you know, even keel, like built. You were talking about this yesterday. Like, yeah, oh. I have a hard time. I'm having a hard time with fantasy because like, I'm coming from like a coach perspective in the sense of like, when you build a team, you they they stay on your roster. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you want to see them play out through a season. So it's been really hard because we're making so many moves to like settle into what our team is. Mm-hmm. Um, although we have to make the moves because we're middle of the road. Team. Or maybe even not. Or even yeah. not. We're, like, <laughs> we're just like, we're barely making it by. So yeah, yeah. So look at, looking at your season so far, so you've kind of been a little bit downbeat on it, but if this week goes to plan and if you do win this matchup, with your, which you are projected to win, so fingers crossed, yeah, um, you will go to 4-2-0, and uh, which will put you, I think, possibly fifth in your league, if, I, if my calculations are correct. Um, that's not a bad start for, for two people who are brand new to fantasy hockey, trying to find their way in, you know, both a new sport, a new fantasy sport, and possibly a new dynamic where you're co-managing a team that needs regular moves. Um, yeah, so like I, I would be too, I would not be too downbeat on on how you're doing so far. So um, too competitive, yeah. too competitive. Yeah, we were talking about this when we were dra- uh, when we were talking about when we were drafting this team. What was hard is we had just got done drafting our own teams in this uh, in our family league, and so coming together, we oh, it was a rough draft because we just prefer different players for very different reasons <laughs> yeah so so trying to meld that was like tricky it was uh especially in the first couple rounds because we didn't know how it was going to go like working together to draft the team and we're sitting right by each other we sent the kids away uh <laughs> we had had a beverage uh but like it was just a mess to try to like uh coordinate between the two of us at the beginning because we just did not agree and so then we ended up like agreeing on players that neither of us wanted and then and maybe that's just maybe we're saying that now because like in hindsight we have like all these players that are like super slumping like we have Zibanejad and Tara Vinen who is like kind of slumping but also just injured in COVID and everything else and we have uh Mantha I drafted Mantha he couldn't get him in any other leg so he's like we're getting him in this like and I was like I guess so yeah so <laughs> I didn't want to get him but so we just well, ha- I was like I swear there's an upside on this player I'm yeah like, okay we used to have like a full deck of uh <laughs> Underachievers <laughs> connecting. We'll see. We'll see here. 
might yeah. be coming. So I'll just talk through the team that you drafted then. So you went Zabanajad in the first round. So, sometimes I feel like this podcast is the Mika Zabanajad podcast because we seem to talk about him every week. I have him in a couple of leagues and um, I really don't, I know he's, he's playing at the moment. He probably has done nothing, which seems to be what he what he usually does when he yep. <laughs> when it comes to it this season. Um, you then went Patrick Laine in the second round who has had a, had a move this season um, and a little bit of a rocky start perhaps in Columbus. Um, uh, Tara Vinan, as you mentioned, Morgan Riley was your first D-man. You then went uh, Travis Konechny, who I believe you traded, maybe. R- were there a couple of counter-trades in your uh, trade for Travis Konechny? Yeah, um, that's a really cool feature on the, on the, in the couple. That's like a really cool yeah. thing. Um, yeah, there was a couple. There was a little bit back and forth between two different teams in our league for counter-offers um basically what happened is like what we were talking about earlier is like sometimes i come with a move and sometimes i've already made the move and then i'll just be like what do you think about this allison you cool after the fact that i've already done it um but uh so that's kind of what happened is i we had been talking about trading connecting even though we both really like him um but i had kind of sent out the offers without talking to her um and so the first one was accepted yeah it was not great uh <laughs> so it's like dinner time and i was like hey look our trade offer just got accepted yeah, for, <laughs> for Radulov and so we like talked about it and realized Radulov was like injured and that's like not super great and it's like pretty risky to throw up there um so yeah through that like I talked to Allison and we just like realized that there was this counter trade process or a counter offer process and um we hadn't gotten any offers but um Allison you kind of like do you want to talk about that sure I guess I just decided that we should just like get people interested let's dabble <laughs> yeah. um to see if people will bite on on something so we kind of like looked at people's rosters to see maybe what they were looking for or needing and then tried to send them a tr- we want to obviously have like a good trade we we're not trying to like win trades but we want it to be at least even or like it break even right that it's like we need different things and other teams need um different, different things, things. And so we're kind of going off of that when we're looking at other people's teams. Um, and so that's kind of why we did our, our trade, but. Um, uh, yeah. But her idea was basically like, like you said, it was like to try to stir up interest. So instead of like waiting for people to counter offer us, we just kind of like. Went at them. We're like, well, let's, let's just go and contact them. People aren't going to come if we don't ask. So, and they could just say no, and that's fine too. But yeah, that's kind of how that went about. So. Yeah. So it was like, like two days there, just like. Um, it was exciting. It felt three diff- exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, three different offers, and then we ended up eventually. So it was like originally it was for Konechny for Radulov, and then we went back to somebody else to get Anders Lee, and then it came back to us again. Uh, or then we went back to the original offer and just asked him, like, hey, if he's throwing uh, Kaprizov, like, we'll totally be in. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how we kind of like made that happen. And Kaprizov has worked out for you because I think he's your highest scorer this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's potentially been the difference in your matchup this week. Um, just uh, so you mentioned that you ha- you have a, a group of slumping players. You also have a couple of players who are um, overachieving or definitely um, you know uh, performing better than perhaps where you drafted them. So uh, both of them, the, the two who I looked at, uh, are centers. So you, you have uh, the the guy who your team is named after, Andrzej Kopitar. Um, you drafted him 124th, and he's currently the 37th or as of yesterday, anyway, the 37th uh, ranked player this season. And then down at 208th in the draft, you went with Vincent Trocek of Carolina, who's now the 25th ranked player this season. So um, there's a couple of successes in there as well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we were reading your questions beforehand. So like, as soon as you say there's a couple of successes, I feel like this really uh, dark spot on that because you also pointed out one of our major failures. Which was my fault, um, but yeah, Joe, uh, Joe Pavelski was it? Yeah, Pavelski. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped him week one. Yeah, I really thought I could get him back when I had dropped that him. That is what happened. And we I thought I could drop him and then pick him right back up, so we could. Dabble. Yeah, but I just wasn't ready for. I wasn't ready for like how waiver works. I don't know what happens, or I just forgot. But yeah, uh, we were lucky with Trocheck. I had like actually had heard of Trocheck before, and I didn't remember him being bad. Like I didn't know about it all last season, so. I just remembered him being like kind of good. And then like on the spreadsheet we had, it was like listed kind of towards that area. So we drafted him there. And then uh, Kopitar, yeah, like Kopitar I'm aware of too, because he's an older player. So like I have actually like seen him play before. So I was like, okay, we'll do that. So th- we just lucked out. Uh, really, I don't think we had strong feelings either way about the players. We just like kind of had cursory knowledge of them and felt good about it. 
And then, yeah, obviously Pavelski, that was just dumb. I don't know why. Yeah, it's not looking good. And you, I think I, you, you'd send us the questions before and it literally lays out like, he now has 10 goals in 10 games. It's like, <laughs> oh, sweet, that feels good. <laughs> I hadn't looked at it like that, so. Yeah, I didn't even have a question there. I, I don't know why I pointed that out. Um, <laughs> I think you're just, uh, just want us to really feel the things. Yeah, I know we <laughs> dropped him. I dropped him that first night for uh, Farabee, Ugh. for Joel Farabee, because I knew about Farabee because I've been like listening to like, I've been like getting more into prospects and stuff. And so I knew about Farabee when he was on the national development team. Um, and so I was like excited to get him. And then he, of course, went through that really like cold period where his like ice time is really, and I guess just Philadelphia in general has that going on. Um, but now he's like good again. So we dropped both of them. We we lost oh. on both of those players. <laughs> yeah, I guess in your defense for Pavelski, Dallas did have a really rough start of the season in terms of COVID and their schedule. So I don't think anybody would have foreseen. Actually, when I, I drafted Joe Pavelski in the auction draft in tier one for $6, like which is cool. quite quite a low amount. And I got laughed at. Like there was in the chat, there was, oh my God, lol, can't believe that happened. <laughs> And then, you know, two weeks later or three weeks later, I'm you look like a know, genius. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm loving that one. So apologies for pointing that one out. But uh, oh, no. <laughs> um, is there anything? So you probably mentioned a couple of things already, but is there anything that you weren't ready for or expecting in fantasy hockey? I know probably the uh, the amount of time and dedication that you need to give to it on a daily basis is, is one thing that you've mentioned already. But is there anything else that you weren't ready for? The COVID, I mean, there's no way to anticipate COVID and like getting the amount of games that you need to get in so you don't lose purely on the fact that you're not playing, mm. um, right? Yeah, would say, I, like, I would that's say that's the like the hardest part. Thing. Yeah, for and sure. And then right now, finding decent players on waiver, it's hard. Yeah, 14-team like, league is really hard. I haven't played yeah. too many 14-team leagues of anything. Um, so you have to like do your research and then also just gamble. Hope. Mm it'll pan out so that's what we're, we want to like eventually free up a position on a roster to be able to play like that but yeah we're trying to keep streaming spots open yeah um but yeah that's been the hardest part i think is just the covid stuff just because like we lucked out at the beginning a little bit that we weren't hit super hard by that because there's definitely teams in our division that were hit even harder um so yeah, I think that's been the hardest thing to navigate or anticipate. And just like you said- And like, then being comfortable and flexible with movement. That's hard. I'm having a hard time with that um, because it's just like four moves a week feels like a lot to me, but you, you're you cool with it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm, I'm doing it. We've already discussed that maybe it's not yeah. the best strategy. <laughs> I think one week I was like, I think we just need to take a week and just uh, not make ride this out a little, just see how. And we won. We won that week. There you go. So she was, she was right. Yeah. yeah you've, so you guys have made the most moves in your division, if I'm right. You've made 23. Um, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. But I think it's because it's, it's literally because like we had so many spots we had to stream because we're trying to compensate well, for so many players being either bad or injured. Well, one or thing whatever. I think you learned from fantasy football this last season is that you didn't make enough moves on the waiver wire and that hurt you and you ended up not doing as well because you were hesitating on moves. So I think this time we're trying to like approach it with like, let's just do try it everything. and try it. Yeah. And just try it. Cause if it, okay, if it doesn't work out, I guess it's a loss, but maybe we can make it up next week because of the uncertainty of COVID. Yeah. It provides more opportunity in a weird way. Yeah. For players, for sure. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Like, um, yeah, I think so. Like I, I think just um, not poo-pooing any move. Cause I think generally like when you make way around picks, you want to like, and I don't know, maybe it's a little different in hockey and it is a little bit different because you want to get more games played. But like you're trying to find the good player, one that's going to be sustainable, right? But sometimes it's just about taking anybody because hockey's so random anyway. It mm -hmm. could just like it could just be, especially right now, it could be deployment could be way different that night, or somebody could be out due to COVID protocol or whatever. So it's just like it makes sense to not poo-poo any move and try anything really. Because who would have thought? We also had um, Jordan Stahl for a period of time there, and we traded. Who would have thought Jordan Stahl would be like? you know, one of the highest point getters in the league. Yeah, he's, he's probably one of those guys that you knew from way back when, when he was with yeah, the bank. Yeah, exactly. Right, all the Stahl brothers, right? I know, I knew that name, so yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, can I just, so this isn't a question that I'd send on to you, but one word that you mentioned there kind of jumped out at me and it was, it was random. So uh, hockey being a random sport, I think it is, I think like uh, by definition, it is the most random sport of the say four big sports in North America. 
just purely for the fact that you know it's a piece of rubber flying about on a sheet of ice um with a lot of boards and you know a guy with big pads trying to stop it it's just it's a pretty random looking sport um but but technically and statistically it is the most random sport is that something that you found difficult to uh, adjust to coming from fantasy football where say you know the favorite tends to win in football i find um so you know you can pretty much tell on, on a week-by-week basis there may be one or two upsets but um it, on a week-by-week basis you'll, you'll generally know what teams are expected to win whereas in hockey you know uh detroit can win a couple of games against right. anybody uh, period yeah they could win a couple of games period and it would be amazing <laughs> they could beat chicago yesterday yeah uh yeah no i think so that's like a hard thing um, I mean, I know the hockey, I mean, I think that's what makes hockey really great. Like, I'm not saying it as a negative. Like, I think I love that about hockey, especially the idea that it, that any game could not be determined at, you know, face-off. So, or at puck drop. Um, but, um, yeah, that's really hard because then it's hard to know um, who's going to be, who's going to be good, who you can rely on, who's going to score frequently. And, and what you, that, that's been a hard thing is because like in like fantasy football, like, you know, like somebody's going to get a certain amount of opportunities or they're going to get a certain amount of carries or a certain amount of whatever. So hockey's kind of hard because you look at time on ice and you would assume that time on ice would be like a good indicator of opportunity, but it's not necessarily because like, yeah, like, cause like, for example, in Detroit, like, um, you know, we like love to play like fourth line players, like 30 minutes a game and, you know, they're not going to score. They're like Franz Nielsen is not going to score. Well, he did score last night, but he's not going to score. Uh, so, so, you know, like it, like that part is really difficult, I think, um, which would have bought, why it would have been nice not to draft 12, right? So we could have got <laughs> somebody else, <laughs> like something higher. Well, I, th- I think for me, I'm enjoying the randomness of it because I can like have preferences on player just because of Rand, I don't know. I like it that it's like it feels like more of an underdog sport in a lot of ways where you can like go for the little guy. I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, Allison really likes Nick Suzuki, so that's I the do. reason why we even have him on our team. She really that's likes Nick true. Suzuki. I, I don't know why. I just was like, I like that guy, but yeah. yeah. Well, I like what when we watched Montreal for the first time, I actually enjoyed watching that team. I don't like watching Detroit. It is very boring. Uh, it's yeah. not about well, they play it. an awful style <laughs> of hockey right now, so that's true. But yeah. So so how many games a week do you find yourselves watching? Or do you do you watch games where you know you have, might have a few players involved or Yeah, I think we try to watch well we try, I try to watch most of the Detroit games generally. I've been doing it the last couple of years, but like we try to watch at least one or two other teams uh throughout the week. And yeah. we probably don't sit and watch the whole game because we also have three kids, but uh, we'll watch at least part of it. And yeah, usually somebody, so we, we usually try to watch a Montreal game because Allison likes the way Montreal plays and just that team, even though they're kind of like up and down lately. Uh, but yeah, we'll try to watch some others and try to, like you said, fantasy is really awesome because then you can pick uh, games based on who you have players with and see if you like the style of play they play. So like I've really never really watched Dallas play, but we've been watching more Dallas because we have two Dallas players now. Yeah. I have two final questions for you. So you said that you're in another league where both of you have individual teams. Uh, which of you are ahead in that league? Ahead. I'm undefeated. Uh, <laughs> but I have two losses right now to him and then his brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, that one, that one hurts a little bit. Sore subject. I have a good team. Every week she's like looking <laughs> at her roster and just like cursing me out. She's like, yeah, so super mad. But yeah, I've been lucky in that one. Um, and I don't know. I would say we have the two best teams. I would say, even though you lost twice, I think you have, uh, you have the two well, best. Well, I had some issues with making um, the darn start button screwed me up a couple weeks in a row. Is that um, the Yahoo? Yahoo? The Yahoo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yahoo, be- mm. because it was starting people that you know. There's like a postponement, but started them anyways. Yeah. And so then I thought I had my roster set and looked back, and I had all these people on the bench who were getting points, and I was like, oh well. All right. Oh, so yeah. then I had to make some moves to kind of make up for that, but it didn't help. Yeah, so it's it's good. Like I said, like you said earlier, yeah. this is the the couple is the healing part of our. It is the healing because part, yeah. we're both very competitive. So that could be you know a real sore spot in our relationship. This year, <laughs> I don't know. And my final question for you then, guys, is um, 
if you had one piece of advice that you've learned from this season so far that you can maybe share with other new players to fantasy hockey or to the Cupful, is there anything that you could share with them or maybe even something that you've learned from another fantasy sport? I think for me, what I um, have learned or just really enjoy is, so working in a coffee shop, I love community. That's why I'm in, that's why I work or make coffee is because I like how it brings people together to talk. And so I like how um, fantasy does that in a virtual space in the pandemic is to provide like this sense of community. And I really love how we can connect with people that we've never met and um, just kind of, yeah, it's kind of similar to my job. And so Mm -hmm. that's a passion of mine is connection with, with other people. And so I think that's what I've like really taken away from doing fantasy and, and it's been, it's nice. That's what, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip to like make sure you reach out to other yeah, people and like I, get to know other people. Not just try to, I think that like relates to what I was going to say. Like not just try to like win, like actually enjoy like playing against other people and that kind of like fun of that. And the, the It's di- fostering community, right? At, in, yeah. And you're in your spaces and spaces you don't know. And I think that's why we liked keeping Carlson so much is that we didn't realize how good you guys are at, at the sense of community, whether you know it or not. Um, we feel very connected in that community, even though it's like, we're in the lower league <laughs> <laughs> and that it's everywhere and that it's huge. Yeah. 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 So it's really so, cool. Um, and I think for me, like the tip, like we're just trying to do is just like um, going alongside of that is like not trying to like win trades all the time. Cause I feel like that doesn't work. Like people just try to send you bogus trades all the time. Like I so feel flexibility? like, is that what you're saying? Nah, like, no, like going into it, the idea that like both people can win from oh. a transaction, like both parties can come out on top, like it, with getting what they need from that you know like uh you don't have to have any kind of manipulation there i don't think yeah yeah Yeah, and just being flexible that's like a big thing yeah and for me i guess i'm learning to lose and it's okay because you can still come back and win maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's okay to lose sometimes not all the time though Ah, it hurts okay guys thanks so much for coming on it's been a really great chat um really enjoyed talking to you and i will be following your progress through the season and through the the following seasons and i, I look forward to seeing your rise through the cupful and i hope to play you someday yeah, yeah cool thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah i don't know if we'll get to tier one but we will we will be trying <laughs> I, I don't think i don't think i'll be staying in tier one forever it's, oh, it's no. tough it's tough <laughs> all right well thanks so much for the yeah, chat thank you Thanks to Mark, Khalil, and Allison for that interview. Before we get to the player and manager stats this week, a quick minute to shout out some of those that made this podcast possible. A big thanks goes to Kevin E. Bear for his hard work on the statistical views you'll find on kakupful.com. No one here fights harder with Yahoo to make sure stats get into our system, so make sure to give him much love on Discord. Also a shout out to jnsoftware.ca. JN Software is a software and soft skills training and consulting company. It was started 19 years ago by my wife, Joy, and since then has grown to have operations across Canada and North America. Since the pandemic began, companies using Microsoft Teams to communicate have increased dramatically. If the organization you work with uses Teams, have they made sure to train you on how to use all of its features? Teams isn't just the fancy version of Skype. It's designed to make document sharing, project management, and other important team-based tasks easier while integrating directly with the rest of the Microsoft Office suite of programs. If you enjoyed listening to the StatAttack podcast today, make sure to check out jnsoftware.ca and our free webinars page to watch our most recent Teams webinar to get you up to speed and sign up for our upcoming webinar, Become a Teams Power User with these top 10 tips. Now back to the show. It's time for players analysis. The best fantasy performers in the last seven days are... In goal, Andre Vasilevsky with 33.65 points, but hot on his tail was big save Dave Riddich, who's only rostered in half of Cupful divisions. On defense, Chris Letang and Roman Yossi harken back to the good old days of last year when they were reliable, with 27 and 26.25 points respectively. At left wing, Alex DeBrincat with 32, thanks to his 17.75 point performance late Sunday. At right wing, Patrick Kane also benefiting from Sunday's game with a total of 35.5 points last week, making him the player of the week. Meanwhile, at center, with Austin Matthews injured and Connor McDavid having an off night, Pavel Zaka snuck in with 25.75 points to defeat Carl Soderberg by half a point. 
If you had the Zaka Soderberg tandem in Kakupful, please reach out to us on Manager's Corner. We'd love to hear how you knew those two were going to have a good week. All aboard for Transaction Junction. We hopped in Ben's time machine this week as Jonathan Quick was the most active player, generating 16 ads and just 3 drops. Goalies were popular as Big Save Dave was a close second with 14 ads and 3 drops himself. While 11 teams gave up on Max Domi and only 3 gave him a pickup. Make sure to check out the transactions page on kakupful.com under the stat attack menu for more information. For Fab fans, Jesse Pugliarvi continues to be the highest paid player in the Kakupful with $248 in Fab spent on him so far this year. Meanwhile, Pew Suter has passed Niels Hoglander and Brandon Saad for the most pickups with 54. Up next, it's who's rostered and who's not stirred. This week, a look at the 100% owned players and their correlation to their manager winning based off a message on Discord where one manager posited that a manager owning McDavid automatically meant that said manager would win their week, we at Stat Attack Central took a deep dive into the stats, and here are the results. Looking purely at last week, only 43% of teams with McDavid won, although it was admittedly a down week for him. The fully rostered player who was on the most winning teams was in fact Sam Reinhart, with 82% of his teams going on to win the week. Meanwhile, Brock Besser and Mike Hoffman saw less than 20% of their teams go on to win the week. Let's check in with our Kakupful managers. Doc Doc Gusev of Tier 2 Ottawa has returned to the top spot of the Fast Track leaderboard with 1,713.9 points for the year. Tier 6 Rulas Lethbridge Wolves is 19 and a quarter points behind. Tier 5 Melkers Seeing Like a Skate is in third. Despite being as close as second place and two points back midweek, my team Microsoft Excel and Tier 3 Boris is sitting in fourth, while Tier 5 Linus's weaponized cap space is fifth. Keep an eye on the daily updated standings on kakupful.com, and remember, winner gets automatic promotion to Tier 1 next year, so make sure to squeeze every last point out of your rosters. This week's Kakupful Performer of the Week is Windy City Whitetail of Tier 4 Yokery. One of three teams to break the 300-point barrier this week, the other two being Tier 5 Anton's Underdog and Tier 2 San Jose's Pasta La Vista Baby, Windy City Whitetail accumulated 305.6 points for the week and sits with a 4-2 record in their division. With over 50 points from goalies Vasilevsky and Fleury combined, and solid weeks from Petrangelo, Jones, and Sergachev on defense, Windy City Whitetail's fantastic week was also boosted by 20-plus point weeks from forwards Kaprizov, Stamkos, Hornquist, Kessel, and Peugeot. Their stellar week has vaulted them into 26th place on the Fast Track leaderboard. Great job, Windy City Whitetail. On this week's Statistically Unlikely, 11 teams remain at 6-0. Primo Pasta, Filthy Animal, Knife Town Toddlers, Microsoft Excel, Kaner's Taxi Squad, Robert's Unreal Team, Six Kungan Willy, with two eights in it, East to West 87s, with a two in the middle of East and West, Blackout, Drop the Stammer, and Frozen Tool. While 13 teams are at 0-6, including one team in my division of Tier 3 Boris, who has changed their name to an unbroken series of underline marks. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Titanium Cranium of Tier 2 Ottawa sits 14th overall on the Fast Track leaderboard, but only 12th in his division at just 2-4 for the season. He's totaled over 200 points every single week, but has gone head-to-head against some tough competition. 1,587.45 points have been scored against that team, while fellow Ottawa division manager Doc Doc Gusev has faced only 1,377.1 points in opposition on the way to their 5-1 record. The next highest player on the fast track that is 12th or worse in their own division is Tier 4 Jokeritz win one for the Kipper, who is 94th. Even that is statistically unlikely for them, but it's painfully statistically unlikely for Titanium Cranium. This week's highlighted matchup comes from Tier 4, Sodertalja, where Kakupful.com's own charts wizard Kevin and his team Krill the Thrill faced off against the team Fourthliners. With Kevin up four points Sunday morning, both teams look forward to a close-run shootout with eight players in action each. After the 1pm game, Fourthliners managed to pull into the lead with 11 points from his three players, including Colin Blackwell's 7.75 point game. But Kevin got some help from last-minute streams of Letty and Zaka both contributing with assists. Ovechkin's 9 points performance, though, stretched fourth-liners to an almost 15-point lead. Kevin had three players left, Pierce Suter, Hironik, and Boquist. On a normal night, you might expect one of them to run into a goal or assist here or there, 
but Kevin likely needed some combination of three goals or assists or more to pull out the win. Happily, for Kevin, last night was no normal night, with Chicago's 7-2 drubbing of Detroit, all of Kevin's players got in on the action and sent him over the finish line. To add insult to injury, overnight fourth liners lost another two points thanks to the same stat correction that helped Ben win Tier 1. So Kevin's victory sat at 288.1 to 284.6. It's not all bad news, though, as while the win brought Kevin's team up to 3-3, fourth liner still sits atop the standings at 4-2 albeit in a seven-way tie. Also a quick shout-out to Bell City Beauties of Tier 5 William, who were tied with Scrantonicity with only one period to go, and Lankinen in goal for Bell City Beauties, as long as Patrick Kane didn't get any points, and Lankinen didn't let in any goals, he should have been able to squeak ahead on saves. Kane, of course, went on to get a goal and two assists, and Lankinen was unable to oblige with the 25-plus saves in a single period that would have been required to overcome that margin. Also a quick shout-out to Abundance of Pasta in my Division Tier 3 Boras, who, thanks to his European time zone, went to bed before the Chicago game with a comfortable 10-point lead over Kuju Jojo, and four players still on the ice in the Pittsburgh game, with only two remaining for his opponent. Of course, when those two were in the Chicago game, he awoke in the morning to discover that Dabrinkit and Zadarov had combined for 25 points and completely turned the tables, giving Kujo Jojo the win. Weaponized cap space of Tier 5 Linus is still the top mover and shaker, with 32 moves this year. Abundance of Pasta of Tier 3 Boris sits in second at 31. Top big spenders this week include the Blazing Turtles of San Jose Tier 2, who spent $23 on Ryan Ellis, Iron Lotus of Anton Tier 5 with $18 on John Gibson, and Jakenbake of Sodertalja Tier 4 with $17 on Josh Morrissey. Three players are sub $10 in their fab budget with Tier 6 Bossy's Dewey's Dentist leading, Tier 5 Anton's High and Dry Sidle, and Tier 6 Rula's Hornpain Bears also under that margin. And that's it for this week's episode. Make sure to check out kakupful.com for more stats on players and teams. We'll be back next Monday to review the goings-on around the league. In the meantime, you can reach out to us on Discord, and we'll see you in Week 7.